Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here, the Tuesday edition, and we're going to spend this hour, and we got two hours that Dr. Larry and I are going to follow up on some themes that are going to begin this hour. So we're going to have three hours of great radio, and over the next three hours, we're going to talk about things from perspective that people don't normally talk about. And joining me uh, to help me along is the Swamp Girl herself. From Columbia, South Carolina. Pam, Pam, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Tom. It's pretty hot down here, though. Uh, guess what? It's pretty hot. Doing it's pretty, pretty good today. Here. Yeah, it's pretty hot here too. So, uh, you know, we we actually got what we call very humid. Well, at least we did have humid weather until it started raining. Yeah, well, it was only 91 <laughs> degrees here, but the heat index got up to 102. Um, yeah. Because it's just wet out there, you know. It's just and yeah. it's a little bit difficult to do things outside, you know. But people yeah. are still walking outside and, and doing. You kind of learn how to do that here. But it's yeah. when yeah. you do about a uh, probably a quarter of a mile walk and you get home and you're just wet, you know. Yeah, yeah. and wet doesn't sweaty wet. Yeah, I know what you mean. All right. It's not sweaty. It's there's that much wet in the air. You just yeah. Wet. All right. yeah. Well, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to. There's some things I've been writing about. I want to get your views on them. Uh, I'll put them on DonaldsonTFiles.com. DonaldsonTFiles.com. That's the uh, my blog that I do in association with the show. And plus, sometime this hour, I'm going to read excerpts of my book that is now in the publishing. Uh, it was with the publisher. So we're, you know, trying to get this published. So, and and you, Pam, will be the first to comment and listen <laughs> to America at the Abyss. So, but. I read the last uh, excerpt that you sent out, the last little thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's going to be Pretty now, interesting. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, yeah, I. I've had people say to me privately, you know, uh, and and we're going to talk more about this tomorrow as well. I mean, this is what I wrote at DonaldsonTFiles.com, uh, which I did put on the, uh, you know, the timeline for Twitter. And, mm-hmm. and basically, here's the way I'm kind of looking at it is this, you know, Biden is the symptom. Well, many of the Democratic Party are shocked by what has happened in Afghanistan. And we've seen, you know, off-the-record leaks that that we, in the military and intelligence, told Joe this would happen. And there are even a few people in the media complaining. Uh, Now, the reality is, you know, the Biden bungling of Afghanistan was a disaster that's been coming for two decades. Uh, But the policy, but Biden's policy turned it into disaster 
But his policy apparently is disaster anything but Afghanistan. Now, here's the point I'm going to make to the audience. And this is a point you know, I made on Twitter, and that is this. Would we have seen anything different with a, another Democrat, if a President Harris, a President Sanders? Uh, for example, economics. Okay, the economic plan of Joe Biden is increased spending, loose monetary policy, increased taxes on the productive side of the productive part of society. Uh, and we have to say inflation is like too much money chasing too few goods. But the plan we're seeing now would not produce enough goods to soak up the loose money. In other words, inflation, the, you know, inflation may not be the transitory thing. We may see a repeat in the 70s. Uh, the energy policy are based on the illusion that we can produce all of our energy with wind and solar while eliminating fossil fuels. So that's the goal. But yet we have, you know, Joe Biden begging OPEC to increase product production. But again, would anybody else done this any differently? You know, the foreign policy has been a disaster, but would a, any of these other individuals done the foreign, you know, done foreign policy any different than what we'd be seeing? You know, you know, immigration and crime. Uh, these are all issues where, quite frankly, you know, would there have been a major change from any other president? In other words, uh, yeah, and this is a point I make. Biden's policies would have been a disaster in any leading Democratic presidential candidate. Their policy followed Biden. Bernie Sanders essentially wrote the $3.5 trillion stimulus. Alexander Cortez wrote the Biden's version of the Green New Deal. And there's, you know, so my question to you is, is Biden, you know, would there have been anything different from any other Democrat based on some of the, you know, based on what I said? Uh, do you see a President Harrison, a President Sanders doing that much different in what we're seeing right now? Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts on that is definitely no, and but my reasoning may be a little bit different because you're talking about individuals. I believe that the Democratic Party on the whole has been hijacked, um, and I don't think Biden has full reign, and I don't think Harris would have full reign. And as far as Bernie's concerned, uh, I think that Bernie would have totally ignored Afghanistan. Bring them home. Don't worry about it. You know, see you bye. It, you know, uh, I think his his uh, he would have been a little bit different. Um, but I think it's the handlers in the party right now. I don't think it is um, Biden himself being president that's making a difference, and I don't think it would be Harris herself that's making a difference. You know, um, I believe it's the handlers. And the handlers are still stuck on anything but Trump. They're still stuck on it. And as long as they stay stuck on that, you're going to see the same thing with anybody who's president in the Democratic Party right now. I mean, there's people behind the scenes there that are doing stuff. You know, these generals and stuff knew better. You can't tell me these military people didn't know better and didn't, you know. um, But the ignorance is anything but Trump. Yeah, exactly what I mean, because if you look at the the immigration policy, for example, they reversed everything he did on immigration. I mean, one of the aspects that we saw a decrease in illegal immigrants coming into the country, 
And we've seen now, we've seen the flood coming in. And so they did that. Uh, I know in the Middle East, they went back to the policies of Obama dealing with Iran and trying to restart the Iranian deal. And they pretty much ignored the Abraham Accord, which would have united the Sunni, you know, the Sunni Arabs and the uh, Israelis. Correct. And right. so it's, yeah, right. Well, you know, it's almost like anybody but Trump. Uh, or if, well, even thought, if Trump even thought of it or even talked about it, they are totally going in the opposite direction. Um, whereas yeah. some of his stuff may have been good, but nobody wants to look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly um, what you mean. But here's the question, yeah. Trump, because you may, but here, but you make an important point. You mean who's controlling the party? And I think that's a legitimate question to ask. Because I know that, you know, my normal, you know, Dalai Coco, you know, know, for the past past year has always talked about the influence of the Bernie Sanders, which she called the Bernie Bros. And I think the Bernie Bros have a definite impact on the political, uh, definite impact on where the party is going. As I stated, again, that's the reason why I made the statement, you know, would we have seen that much difference? Because, like I say, Bernie Sanders essentially is writing the green, I mean, wrote a good portion of the stem. I mean, this is like coming out, you know, his, you know, his ideas. And certainly Alexander Cortez and came, you know, the environmental policy, the green, you know, the climate gate, uh, the climate, climate uh, change policies and the energy policies are coming pretty much of Alexander Cortez. And it's, you know, you know, I guess, the, you know, and so my question is going to be, and I want you to think about this uh, as we take a, you know, take a quick break here, uh, you know, who do you think is influencing the party at this point? This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year, one in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome back to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor's Radio Network. Look, folks, if you want to know more about how to listen to our shows, here's what you need to do. Go to Bachelor 
thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Thebachelornews.airtime.pro. This show is repeated every day at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or, yeah, Eastern Standard Time. And so, and you can do that every day. You can also get us on StreamYard, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and Anchor.com. So all of those places you can uh, see all of those. Listen to this show repeatedly. And, and if you wanted to learn more about we have a special price on advertising, uh, an introductory price, give us a call or email labachelor40 at gmail.com, labachelor40 at gmail.com. All right. All right. Okay. We left. Okay. Here's the question I left you with. Who do you think's running the party? Who do you think's in charge? Which wing of the party is in charge? Which wing of the party? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I believe when you when you ask a question like that, um, as a regular person walking around, follow the money. Whoever's ever given the biggest donations to the party is usually the person that has the most influence on the party. Now we know the we know that the money maker is Obama. You know that's what he does. That's what he's always done. That's what he knows how to do. However, the when you're talking about policies and things like that, just look. One of the individual donors with the highest number, uh, the highest amount of money, I believe, is a drug company. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, I don't think I probably need to say that on the radio, but anybody could look it up. You know, yeah. if you look and see who is contributing the most to the Democratic Party, then you'll usually know who has the reins of the horse. You know. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay, here's the answer. Yeah, actually, interesting enough, because I make this, I made this point in my last book, and I'm making it, and it, and certainly it's a point uh, that, uh, you know, that I'll be making in this, uh, this, you know, as well. But to answer the question, but I hate, I hate to yeah, say it the other but, way around. Who who made up to make most money off of us going into war, and you know. I could run to both sides of the fence sometimes, but back then, you know, everybody had their hands dipped into, and I'm talking about Republican and supposedly, but um, they had their hands dipped into the war machine. You know, their their interests, their investments, things like that. Um, and, you know, you kind of have to shake your head and say these people are going to benefit the most from this chaos right now. You know, who benefits the most from me having to pay so much for gas or me having to pay that? Who's going to benefit the most from that? That's when I might look into an electric car. Boom, look who's who's contributing to this stuff. How did the Green New Deal come about? No, AOC did not write that thing. I know that. She she just hasn't uh, exhibited enough intelligence to write something like that. Bernie? Yeah, maybe. That's just where I'm at with it. Well, here's the follow thing. Follow the money. You bring up, yeah, okay, let's follow the money because the money comes in different ways. Uh, and one of the points I've made is that basically what you have is a combination of oligarchies, your, your big tech companies, who are your, probably your right. biggest contributors to the Democratic Party. And then you have you know, everybody's Republicans' favorite uh, boogeyman, uh, George Soros and the Soros. But certainly Soros over the years has been a bigger contributor. Uh, and I would say, you know, what you have is a party 
funded by some very wealthy people, and you have a party, as I stated in my first book, Democratic, you know, the rise of democratic socialism, is that the Democratic Party, even though is essentially the Socialist Party of America. So you know, I would say that it's a common you're following the money. So the money comes in from, let's say, the uh, the oligarch, you know, the the tech companies. An example would be and what we call in the, the political business Zuckerberg dollars, bucks. Well, Zuckerberg from Facebook contributed hundreds of millions of dollars on get out the vote type campaigns in, you know, right. 2020. So, you know, he's a, he's a major player at the table. Uh, he's a major right. player at the table. And, and certainly, you know, He's also a guy that, you know, I mean, and it's kind of a theory is very simple. And I'll throw this out to you. My theory is very simple in that socialism as we identify it is not going to be the socialism we end up seeing. It would be more closer to what I would view as fascism as opposed to socialism in the sense that you're going to have private companies exist. Uh, Facebook's job Will be, you know, they're the meat, you know, they're part of that media side of the equation to make sure that, uh, and, and what they would like, you know, what, and again, they work in concert with their democratic, you know, their democratic politicians, whether it's censorship, you know, censoring certain people from being on, you know, censoring certain ideas from being on, mm-hmm. uh, and Twitter and all of those. I mean, if you go back just to the case of, uh, simply trying to, you know, the Joe Biden story or the New York Post, essentially, you know, for about one week, they were not even allowed to tweet anything. Story Correct. Came. And if you and if you try to treat that story, you know, you were blocked from doing it. I mean, I know I tried to pass it around twice for like a 40 or 48 hours. Well, here's the thing. It's kind of like, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your. Scratching the back is, you know, Facebook is a very powerful entity. They are controlling the social media. They have expanded the social media. And basically, they will love nothing more to have a regulatory atmosphere that keeps future opponents out and allows them more power to stay in. In other words, make sure the regulations hurts the guys behind me, not me. In exchange, they make their deals with the Democratic Party when it comes down to censoring certain ideas. Uh, you know, go look at the parlor. An uh, example of this, you know, like, you know, now I use this in the book, you know, parlor. Essentially what happened to parlor is competing with Twitter. And that many, and they were losing, Twitter was losing people to, to parlor. And parlor is basically becoming the conservative version of Twitter. I don't know if you have a parlor account or not. Or you I have did. One. I uh, still do. Yeah, I did before all of that happened and it went yeah. offline. Well, I mean, the thing that came in play um, is like, you know, whether it's Amazon, Facebook, uh, Apple, you know, basically they pretty much prohibited Parler from being, you know, to get their message out. You know, it's, you know, the long and the short of it is. They took them off the Internet. I mean, you couldn't get on for yeah. what, much? I mean, you know, Once, I, yeah. I, I, w- I had been on Parler and... Um, you know, had followed a few people and stuff because I'm not a big social media person. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting how they did that. And then 
when they came up, they came up in a little blurb, you know, it just came up in a little blurb, and then they went away again. It was interesting, you yeah. know, and they're back up now, I believe, right? Yeah, they're back up, but it's certainly they don't have the same yeah. impact they had before. Uh, and it's, yeah. and it's, well, uh, nobody's fixing to get elected right now. Yeah, but my yeah, but my point would be my, the point that I'm making here is that they did the bidding of the Democratic Party, and they did it in such a way as to keep it legal. You know, it's not like the government is keeping this first these people from speaking out. It was a private company's keeping people from speaking, which is, I guess, quote unquote, is their right. Now. You know, that's again. You know, we've had that discussion on this show, and we'll continue to have that discussion yeah. about the power of the social media. But my point would be, you know, you asked the question, follow the money. You asked the question, is that what we're witnessing is the rise of major corporations aligning themselves with a leftist government to basically find their place and make their deals, while at the same time those companies, in particular small businesses as well, are the ones who are going to get the shaft. In other words, we'll make our deal with the government as long as they allow us, and the deal with the government is going to be is we will allow you to stay in existence if, if you produce what we want you to produce. We want you to produce more green cars, you produce more green cars. Uh, if we want you to produce wind turbines and solar panels, we want you to do exactly that. Uh, if you're the gun industry, you know, if we are a banker, we don't, you know, we want to put the pressure that you don't loan money out to gun manufacturers in an effort mm-hmm. to get them out of business. And so what we're witnessing is what I call feudal fascism. And, and, I, and I'm going to borrow the term from Joe Cockton, who you know, phrased this, you know, he kind of phrased it very similar, as he said, the coming of the new fascism. That's how he defines it. Uh, and again, it's not, you know, it, you know, when fascism comes to America or, or national socialism, it's not going to come, you know, with funny-looking guys with goose-stepping, uh, with funny-looking mustaches. They're going to come with guys, bureaucrats running, you know, bureaucrats and government officials wearing Brooks Brothers suits. Uh yeah, just look at China. Uh, China, to me, is what the future could be. You know, it is national socialism. You know, they allow private sector companies to exist, but if you know, but they also, on occasion, remind those companies, as they've been doing recently. You know, just remember, and if we choose to put you in your place, we'll put you in your place. Uh, your thoughts. <laughs> Well, I believe that we're kind of sort of doing that now with all this masking, unmasking, masking kids, unmasking, vaccinating, unvaccinating. Um, I I believe that uh, we have been moving in in that direction. I mean, we have mandates on all kinds of stuff that people don't don't realize right now um, and haven't thought about because it became mainstream. uh, they're just to me is uh, pretty much the problem with being. I, I'd really have issues with the media, but that's been going yeah. on for a long time, and we kind of sort of ignored it. Um, we've ignored it, and we've reveled in the fact that we have media companies out there giving us information from all over the world and stuff, and 
oh, these people look like they're doing better. Why would people want to run to America anyway right now? Try to think about that. You know, what is it? Oh, because of the media hype. You know, everybody's telling them, hey, the land in the free, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, turning out to be that way. I believe we're slowly turning. I believe we're slowly turning into that. You know, Tom, I um, we don't realize it now. I mean, when you uh, they're calling things, uh, they're not calling. I mean, you know, whereas you and I would say, "Hey, we're having taxation without representation." Um, when they put taxes on you for how much you make and and things like that, but then. Um, with this infrastructure bill and stuff. They want to put Internet access. Now, there's a key word to that, Internet access. That happened here in South Carolina in one county with one per- particular person, whereas monies were spent for Internet access, which means they put the poles up and they put the wires up, but you, as a general consumer, still had to pay that high cable bill if you wanted to hook into it. So, yeah, you had access, but you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It wasn't Absolutely. free. It was no. part of the money. Yeah, yeah hold on to that thought. Hold yeah. on to that thought. Tom Donaldson. This is Tom Donaldson here at the Donaldson Files with uh, uh, the Swamp Girl, Pam. Here yeah. at the Donaldson Files and the Bassett News Radio Network. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse. Go, guys. Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course. I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow, Jinx. (laughs) Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Pretty obvious. Yeah, Yeah. so obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Don't forget the Bachelor News Radio Show uh, with your host, L.A. Bachelor. Uh, is live every Monday and every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can get it on Block Talk Radio on this network at that time. It is rebroadcast every day, 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time at thebastardnews.airtime.pro. Uh, and if you want to, let's say, a show that discusses this issue, race, politics, policing, injustice, inequality, and religion, and sports, well, that's the Bastard News Radio Show here on the Bastard News Radio Network. And you can listen to that on thebachelornews.airtime.pro. All right. All right. Back to uh, – okay, okay. Okay, you make a pretty interesting point there, and I wanted to kind of follow up on the point that you just uh, make. It's, you know, follow the money. You, you make a very interesting, you know, local example. All right? We're going to give you Internet access. Hmm. But in order to get this internet access, you got to pay the cable bill. So that means someplace, somebody, somebody, somebody lobbied and said, "Okay, we'd be happy to help you put all of this up. What are you going to do for us?" Uh, Correct. So kind of you know, go ahead and expound on this, you know how this works. 
I mean, it's, how does this work in South Carolina, an example? And then we're going to follow up on that. Well, here's here's one of the examples, and, and this is why I say we've slowly given up some of our freedoms. Um, we had a – and he's still in office, so I don't even want to mention him because I really have a problem with the dude. Um, but um, in his district, which is uh, Richland County in South Carolina, I will say that much, parts of it, um, they decided to do Internet access for people. And – what they did was that happens to be a pretty good part of uh, horse country, we would say. There's one section out there where, you know, people raise horses and they uh, there's a horse shelter out there. There's a horse rescue place out there because we, we actually are not thoroughbred country, but a lot of people from New York bring their horses down here to stable them for the races. I mean, you know, it's just... It's a thing. We have race horses down here. We have steeplechases down here still. And what they did was uh, the trucks came along and they went on private property and started digging the holes and putting the poles up. So uh, when we ran out there and said, what are y'all doing? They said, well, we're giving you cable access. Well, we don't want cable access poles on the property where the horses are because somebody might let the horses out when they're coming to check the wires or whatever. Or what happens in a storm down here. I mean, you know, we still get hurricanes and stuff. Um, you know, what's going to happen then? You know, is it going to be a live wire laying in, in, you know, what? I mean, at that time, we didn't know uh, much about cable stuff. And, uh, no, they put the pole up. They put the lines up. So nobody tapped in. But where H. Pole was gave that company, that private company, access to your property. They could go in that pasture at any time leave a gate open if they wanted to, upset the horses with the big trucks and everything because they had put the poles up. There was not a thing anybody could do about it, nothing. And to this day, when you're hooked up to electricity, when you're hooked up to cable, when you're hooked up, you know, wired, something is wired or gas even to your house, that gives uh, the, the companies access to your home. And people don't realize mm-hmm. that, but we gave that up a while back, and that's what I was talking about, you know, pretty much, yeah. that we've slowly been giving up some of our freedoms. Like, I bought this house. I paid for it. Yeah, I got to pay taxes on it every year. Um, I should have some say-so, but as long as I'm wired up, um, you know, people can come on my property and do their service work, you know, whatever. It's, well, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Now, I mean, this, like I said, this is a pretty, like I said, it's a local example, but it's a example nevertheless where, let's say, what appears to be free is not really free. And that, right. uh, you know, as you say, you know, follow the money. Uh, but this is a point I'm making as well, and it goes back to, you know, a point that I, you know, you know that, you know, you're absolutely correct on. Uh but, but like I say, I mean, to me, the biggest concern that I have, it goes back, is, in fact, you know, where we're going from here. Uh, I just got finished reading a very interesting book by a woman by the name Carl Roth who talked about, you know, the pandemic. And she basically, you know, detailed how small businesses were pretty much got the shaft, as she noticed. She said, you know, we didn't really have a true lockdown. What we had, we had a lockdown of small businesses. In many of these communities. Correct. 
Uh, well, that's what I reeled so much about because they funneled everybody to Walmart. Are you kidding me? They funneled yeah. everybody to Walmart. It was the only store that was open for miles. It got exempt for some reason because it was Walmart. So, therefore, you had a higher population going into one one area because mom and pop's yeah. grocery stores were closed. You know, that was yeah. the craziest well, yeah, thing yeah. I ever seen. It, it's crazy, but, you know, these are the things that impact the small businesses because a lot of these small hundreds of thousands of these businesses went out business. And if you look in the area, it's not just the rural areas, but middle class, you know, or suburban areas. But if you look in the urban centers as well, it's the same thing. You saw the exact same thing where small businesses, many of them minority owned, were considered not essential, uh, but the Walmart was. Uh, Walmart right. was. You could you could and, buy flowers at Walmart, but you couldn't buy flowers at the floral shop down the street that mom and pop's had for 70 years. Yeah. You know. But yeah, but this goes back. I mean, this is an example of where you know, we're heading off to in this regard, uh, and I think it's a very interesting with the regard because you know, and I say this repeatedly throughout the pandemic. You do not want to have a government with the kind of power that will declare certain business uh, business essential and certain business non-essential. Business is not essential, and that's too much power to give any government uh even in a pandemic it's way too much power uh and i think you make well, a just very wait good on point. It. Just, just wait right. for it because they're fixing to say that that all these uh ford and chevy if they don't come up with the electric cars just wait for it wait to see how the taxes are going to work because they're selling trucks you know that are non-electric they're gas, gas vehicles. Just wait yeah. for it. I'm waiting on it. Yeah. Well, what I'm going to wait for, because it's interesting, because they're already giving tax breaks if you buy an electric car. Yeah, well, and this new infrastructure bill, yeah, but you got to charge it somewhere. But this new infra- infrastructure bill that they have puts uh, a tax, and people don't realize it, but it puts a tax on uh, going so, doing so much mileage on a car. Now, you know, a gas car. I mean, they're actually yeah. doing a travel tax thing, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. That means I can't yeah, come but, see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's horrible. <laughs> okay. Okay, here's the deal. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, this, this is what uh, Pam is talking about. Infrastructure bill includes a per-mile road tax test that would track drivers' travel. Yeah. But here, okay, and, and so, okay, here's the, you know, this is the article. This was in a thing called The Drive. Automakers are being pressured by the federal government and singling that, let's say, all half of your cars have to be electric by 2030. In other words, the government's going to tell Detroit this is what we want you to produce, okay? But here's the thing. You know, as fuel cars visit the pump, uh, you know, if you have an electric car, for example, guess what? You know, you're not going to get charged the gas tax. So what do you, how do you do this? And the answer would be is you do what the, you've just suggested. You come up with a tax 
per mile, which leads me to an interesting aspect is how do you, first of all, determine this? Determine this. Oh, see, uh, here's the fun part, because all these new cars have these uh, OnStar things on them that they can turn on and off at will. If law enforcement can turn them on and off at will to track a car, uh, hello. Yeah. I'm not kidding you, dude. And 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 my my fun thing is is okay. Um, let's say we have a '65 Chevy that we put on the road every once in a while because it's a show car, right? Yeah. Who's going right. to be tracking that? Who's going to be? How are you? Uh, are, am I going to be required to put a tracker on it so you can know how far we go in this car, which is a V8, which is a big old gas guzzler? You know, you, you see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. How are you going to do that? That's exactly. How are you going to do yeah. that with the show cars? You know, how are you? What are you going to do? Are you going to mandate? Mandate? Hell, that's a fun word these days. But are you going to mandate that we put this this on our cars if we don't have it installed on the cars when we buy them? Number one. Number two. They're not making electric cars to handle South Carolina weather. I don't know about weather up there where it gets thirty four degrees below. But you try that sometime and see how how well that works with those batteries they put in them suckers. Well, let me put it back this way. I would tell you this much right now. If you get an electric car uh, in the winter, it loses about 40% or 50% of its power or of its mileage. Mm. It decreases. So the answer to your question would be, yeah, it does have an impact because you don't get the same mileage as you would get in normal weather in the middle of the winter. No, they made them for uh, California weather, which is 70 degrees, you know. <laughs> every day, yeah. They made yeah, them for weather extremes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how you know how it would work in the very hot, but I know in very cold weather, it decreases its power. So, in effect, well, here they, you got to... Here they catch fire well, often on the interstate. They... We have we have caught more car fires now than I've seen before, and I'm not saying every car out there that's electric catches fire, but there's a higher percentage, I believe, right now. Somebody did the research of the ones that are overheating here, just because of the heat. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah those those are example. Those are examples. You ask me who's in charge. You see how that 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 ball just kind of yeah. drops and. It's kind of like one of those bouncy balls that hits this, and then it hits this, and then it hits this, and then it hits this before it goes down and hits the bottom. You know, it, it, it's just crazy. It, it's absolutely bizarre when you think about it, and uh, everything is connected to everything else. Everything is connected. You know, the media is connected. Yeah. Money. You asked it, who was in power. Well, uh, you know, it's the money. Yeah. The money is in power right now. And always yeah. something, though. Tom? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Hold on. This is Tom Donaldson here, the Donaldson Finals and the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, you might know me. I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger is too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We got Pam, uh, the Swamp Girl from Columbia, South Carolina, and um, I, again, this is, you make a very interesting point. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, like I said, we've been following the money, we've been looking at this, but. I mean, here's the thing. It goes back to the point that I made uh, earlier, where the government is basically dictating to Detroit, uh, you know, you're going to manufacture electric cars. Correct. Uh, You're going to do this. We want you to do this. So, in effect, they're dictating what they want Detroit to do, not so much what the market wants and whether or not people actually want, they do want, you know, Detroit to say, we're going to, you're going to produce this. We want 50% in 10 years. No, or I should say less than 10 years. And you don't well, even have, let's say, that, go ahead. Well, the way, the way I look at it, though, is that that is part of a political agenda because they want this done now. It's kind of like Afghanistan. They want this done now. Rather than let's sit back and let these companies compete, see if we can come up with the best electric car. I'm waiting for my Jetsons vehicle, my flying car. Sorry, yeah. I've been waiting on that since I was a kid, and I do believe that we're getting there. That would be kind of fun. But um, let's wait and, and allow, if you allow companies to compete, rather than force things down people's throats, and I'm talking about companies, you'll have a better outcome. You know, it's just that's just common sense, and apparently it's no. This agenda has to be done now. I want to know what the urgency is for everything to be done now. Why does the world have to be your way right now? You know, what is what what is this about? And usually, I find it's politics. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you say, you make it very. Let's go back to the point you just made. Uh, you you make a very okay. There's a political agenda attached to to this, all right? In other words, we want green cars. We want these green cars because we want to, quote, unquote, save the planet. It's an environmental thing. This is our agenda. And we're going to make you produce these cars, you know, whether or not people want the cars or not. But it also means you have to... So, in effect, it's about mirroring the image. It goes back to the point I made, you know, you know the point we talked about at the beginning of the show. Who runs the, you know, who's running the Democratic Party? Is it the people with the money? Is it the activists? Or is it a combination of both? Where, let's say, the car dealership says, okay, we'll make you electric cars. Allow us to stay in business and we'll make you electric cars. Uh and the government says, okay, as long as you make electric cars and you do what we ask you to do on production side, they'll be fine. In Germany, you know, you know, private companies were told, 
you know, while you're making those you know, Volkswagen people's car, uh, throw in a couple of tanks <laughs> for our yeah. jackets. Yeah. But you get the point. Right. I mean, it's it's a similar strategy in which you're in which corporate America is willing to follow the tune that the government has set to stay in business. It's like as long as you do what we ask, you can make money, stay in business. But this is a, you know it goes you know but it is a interesting dynamic because it's. As I stated, it's the new socialism, per se. It's a national socialist approach. Yeah, economy. but see, here's, here's my, my issue with that. I told you about allowing companies to compete. Um, and the perfect example I have for that is when they uh, wanted everybody to have airbags. You know, when we grew up, we didn't have anything like that. I don't know if it does mm-hmm. good or not. I mean, you know, you can find all kind of statistics and all that. Less people were driving when I was younger. But... The whole thing was is that um, so they forced the companies to do these safety features. Guess what? They tried to do it the cheapest way possible to keep people to buy, to you know to to encourage people to buy the cars. Guess what? Airbags failed. You know because they were so quick to do production, and I believe it was the Toyota products that were recalled for that. I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. Probably am shouldn't have said it. Yeah. Um, I really, but no, that was that, that, those, those yeah. airbags blowing up. You know, the the cars and they had this big big old recall. It was mostly all GMs, I think. A lot of the GM cars and things like that. Um, but I remember, I mean, it, that that kind of stuff with litigation. Now you got you know your tort laws, all this other stuff going into play with that. Everybody wants to make some money, you know. Uh, and I understand that, but. Uh, I do believe that if they quit forcing Green New Deal uh, and calling it that, more people are more lenient about it. Right now, we are told that we have to recycle. Um, my pa was recycling a long time ago. Before it, be, you know, before it became like here's a here's a bucket, go put your stuff in the bucket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, um, people, yeah, well, people, people knew people will do the right thing if you allow them. But there was a force that, oh yeah, we're going to do this because we got to have a green, and I hate to say it, but they said a green Columbia, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, people yeah, were doing mean, that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, because the other aspect comes into play here is that, uh, you know, again, it goes to you know the point that you and I have been making all along. Is, you know, it's not just about, but see, here to me, it's not just about following the money, per se, as much as it's about, uh, you know, following the money, but also following the government policies in which deals are made, you know. And there is this aspect right. that's coming to play where the government is going to start dictating what you can make or not make, you know, what you can do and not do. To stay in business. Uh, Correct. And in other words, what we're seeing is corporatism. It's not free market. It's corporatism. This is what Mussolini did in the 1920s. In a way, that's what Hitler did. Uh, Argentina is another country that did similar things to this. You know, the Juan Peron. And we always knew with uh, Don't Cry For Me, Ava Peron. Well, this was their whole economic policy. Uh, 
was exactly that. Uh, well, see, you can break it back comes. down to now the government wants to mandate that. Yeah. You know, they're, they're yeah. trying to do that. I mean, they're, they are doing it. It's not that they're trying to do it, but they are doing it and forcing penalties on people who decide not to mask for whatever reason. You know, well, the other thing, uh, you know, the other thing too, they're pushing companies to do this. And correct. Companies to say, you know, you know, be a good sport. How, and however, I will look on the other side of that as far as vaccines are concerned. When I, I worked in the hospital system for a long time too, Tom, and um, yeah, we were we we had to take a hepatitis B shot. We had to have the hepatitis B yeah. uh, vaccine. It was mandated. All right. We also had to have a TB shot. Um, a TB test uh, yearly every other year. I think it was yeah. yearly. You had to have a TB test um, because TB has not gone away. I mean, all this other stuff is there, but there there are some diseases out there that are still prevalent that for some reason it's become this, we will force you to take a vaccine and a require the vaccine IDs to get into places and things like that. Um, I totally take issue with all that myself personally, but I also take issue with somebody telling me I have to mask up or not. If you're a company and you say mask at the door, to me it's like shirt and shoes. Yeah, they can do that, and I can choose to go in that store or not. But yeah. but don't well, tell me I got to mask up in my house. Yeah. Ain't happening. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, ain't happening exactly. But I mean, here's the thing, because it's like I said, I had this conversation with a a friend of mine. Uh, this morning, and we got into the conversation, and he kind of put it this way. He said, you know, massive vaccines are becoming like tribal. It's like, and what he asked me, because he said, yeah, I mean, uh, let me put it this way. About three weeks ago, we had on the Dr. Larry show a physician who, by the way, is a Democrat. He said, you know, and he, he said, he said, look, you know, here's the thing, Tom. I want the kids in the classroom itself. This remote learning is not working. The kids are falling behind. They're falling behind on the test scores. We need them into the classroom. This is where they're going to learn. And then he added, uh, from places like Sweden, from places like uh, uh, Florida and Texas, and looked at, let's say, those communities that had no real mass mandates and were in schools. And they said not only were they learning, but there was no real significant you know, impact of the virus based on this. And it, so this is a doctor saying this, saying, okay, this is what – and his point was, you know, there's, you know there's, the evidence is coming in, you know, do the masks provide a significant benefit? The answer is no. But yet here we got people insisting on it, like most recently. Uh, the governor of Oregon now is telling people, wear your mask outdoors. You know, why get That's the what I'm talking about. That's bizarrely crazy. Yeah. This is, you know, why get the vaccine if you're not going to get your life back? You know, I remember but Kevin Roach who's... These, these people that are making this mask mandate, I don't think they've ever seen the inside of an eight-year-old's mask after wearing it all day. That is yeah. the nastiest, most biologically hazardous environment that you ever want to look at. Okay? Yeah. Those kids don't know to blow their nose and they don't, you know what I mean? I mean, oh, it yeah, is exactly. absolutely horrible. And to me, it's just like, oh, my God. Our governor well, is under the gun, though, for that, too, right now. 
because um, yeah. he well, I mean, he had put in a rule for no mask mandates, and now he's coming under the gun for it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like I said, the difference and it's the same thing with vaccine. I, like I said, I am not. I have, I do. I oppose forcing people to get vaccinated for a right. virus that kills two to four per thousand. But I got vaccinated. I think there's a benefit to get vaccinated. I think the it's proven to be a lot safer than what you know I originally thought it would be months down the road. Uh, but I also think that it's one of those things where you know people on our side of the equation are becoming more and more anti-vaccine. As opposed to saying, let's make this about choice. It's like this is, I mean, even Donald Trump, whose I think accomplishment was getting the vaccine in record time. Something that has not been done. Well, I'm not an anti-vaxxer whatsoever. I got the vaccine. You know, I'll come publicly and say it. Yeah, I did. But I I do have an issue with forcing someone to have the vaccine. Mine was my choice. I was not forced to have it. No company threatened to yeah. fire me to have it. Um, it was my choice. Yeah. Now, I was in a different situation, whereas I wanted to do anything to get inside a nursing home to see my mom. And if you want me to, mm-hmm. they, they, nobody ever came out and said you had to have the vaccine, you know. Uh, but yeah. uh, I, I felt like that would help me get my foot in the door at the time. So Exactly. You know. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to common sense uh, because we've been dealing with pandemics for a long time. And we know what works and what doesn't work. We know in the case of influenza, uh, the number one, number two things you do is, number one, you know, vaccination does reduce incidence of the flu. It doesn't prevent it. It reduces it. It reduces Correct. the impact of the virus. And number two, you got drugs like Tamiflu. So if you have a breakthrough or if you choose not to get vaccinated, you got treatment. And, we're, you know, we got the same thing almost now. We got the, mono, you know, the, the antibodies that are available through Lilly, among other things. So you have the vaccination yeah. and you have the treatment. Yeah, and you got the treatment. On the other side of the equation, though, though you, you've, you've created an environment. There are certain members of the population, if they get a snivel or a sneeze, they're running and getting a COVID test. And then you've got the other part of the yeah. environment that – and sneeze, and they refuse to call in for work. They refuse to do this. They are not going to a doctor because they're scared they might have it, and they end up getting it, and then they end up in the hospital unvaccinated adults. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And that's in a younger age group than you or I could even talk about. But, you know, I've seen that happen recently. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I would say, because, you know, again, you know, you know, when you look at the numbers, the overall numbers are still the people, including the unvaccinated, who are getting the sickest are still the people that are getting the sickest at the beginning. Uh, that's number one. Number two, <clears throat> I know exactly what you're saying, but here's, it goes down to test. I mean, like I say, to me, if I designed a test, if I designed, I said, look, if I was sitting there right now and I was playing Dr. Fauci, I would say very clearly, unless you have symptoms, there's no need to that person, especially in the line of the fact that many of the tests, like the PCR, are not necessarily accurate in showing whether or not you're infectious. Uh, in fact, right. But see, what they've done is they've created that environment of fear. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. and, and that fear base, fear base is is making people run and get tested more, which helps your statistics because you have, you know, 
uh, how do they say it, a population, to, you know what I mean? It, it yeah. helps with your statistics if you know how many people don't have it who've tested for it, you know what I mean? Uh, it's yeah. kind of crazy, but, you know, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It, it, I mean, the problem comes into play, but, again, it, like I say, it's not good public health. And it's certainly, if you look at what the CDC would have recommended in January of 2020, a lot of what we're seeing, they wouldn't have recommended at all. So, you know, but the right. record, you know, what, you know, and this goes back down to the, the aspect of the, the quality of the scientific community, because part of science is trust. Uh, and if you lose your trust in your scientific institutions, it's going to be difficult to start treating future pandemics. And in fact, we see this yeah, now. Part only, of the reason. Yeah, yeah. Part of the reason why I think right now. Go ahead. My concern with all of that is that I don't know if you remember when we were growing up, we learned about nature and nurture, about how to nurture mm-hmm. babies and nurtured babies like do a little bit better and people that touch. We already took out hugging in school. Now you're telling yeah. us that kids can't go to school. They can't social. You got to whole generation of antisocial little kids, and I'm talking about antisocial as far as behavior, they don't know how to express affection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're not allowed to. And we're, we're mm-hmm. creating that. Yeah. We are, we are well, creating that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I tell you what, we are basically running close out of time. Uh, so well, I, I want to thank you. You let me out. Yeah, I pretty, <laughs> well, listen, I actually appreciate Now, tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Larry and I are going to follow up with some of the themes we've had tonight and and follow up with some of the discussions. So, you know, stay tuned. It should be a lively discussion because, uh, you know, Dr. Larry and I have had some private discussions. So we might actually disagree with each other. It's a rarity, but the possibility does exist. So you need to just show up for both the Donaldson Files and the Resistance Hour with Tom and Doctor, you know, you know, Tom, Doctor Larry, and Tom on the Resistance Hour tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be a great, lively conversation. So uh, this is Tom Donaldson saying good night from the Donaldson Files. Good night. Good night. Required listening with Amazon Music. Dad Music again? The greatest guitarist of all time. Wait, who? Alexa, add this song to a new playlist. Sure, what's the new playlist name? Jack's Intro to Classic Rock. Adding Stepping Stone by Jimi Hendrix to Jack's Intro to Classic Rock playlist. Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music you and soon he will love. New customers start your 30-day free trial at AmazonMusic.com. Renews automatically, cancel anytime.
Resistance Hour with Dr. Larry and Tom Donaldson, and I'm Dr. Larry Fidoa. We are one of your co-hosts for the evening, and uh, tonight I'd like to start off with a little uh, a little uh, statement of my own that uh, that Tom doesn't necessarily uh, uh, hasn't uh, had a chance to talk to him about it, and that is that I'm just really, really frustrated and quite frightened by this uh, event that we had this week with the, uh, the conversation between our uh, esteemed president and uh, the president of the, of the uh, Russian Confederation. It seems to me that we are looking at uh, the, we're looking at the beginning of the next war <coughs> if we don't do something that is a lot more constructive than was done by our uh, esteemed president. And that is uh, along the lines of, well, some of the great uh, uh, suggestions that are being made are that, for example, instead of saying that if you go and do this invasion, uh, then uh, we're going to do such and such, instead of that, you go ahead and put the put the, uh, the severe uh, tariffs on them for the, uh, all of the uh, uh, things that they've already done to build up their, uh, uh, by building up their troop uh, strength on the uh, border to uh, 79,000, apparently headed to 175,000. And then if you're, you're in a better position to have, have uh, leverage on them, the the problem being that uh, they don't they do they are very likely not going to have any uh, concern about what our president is going to do because what happened in Afghanistan makes uh, all of his further commitments look very very fragile and very uh, easy easily. Uh, uh, to be, uh, be uh, defied, and uh, what we're looking at right now is if if uh, he goes ahead and, and invades uh, uh, southern uh, if, uh, uh, the the, uh, the southern part of the country, then uh, we've got another situation of uh, what's going what's going to happen with. Uh, China watching very closely what's going on with Taiwan. Uh, we are looking at something that's going to have to be very, very. Uh, we have to be lucky to get out of this, and and it's, uh, it's to me it's it's a very scary situation. Uh, we're uh, there are a lot of good uh, ideas that are floating around, which. Uh, we, uh, I, I would hope uh, that the uh, current administration might uh, take uh, under advisement, but it seems very unlikely. So, uh, Tom, uh, you've got a shot here. Uh, go ahead and yeah. and give your ideas. Well, you know, here's the I mean, first one. I mean, this, you know, economic sanctions to uh, Putin is like who cares. I mean, you basically have all but stated, oh, we're going to do this, this, and this. But if you go read between the lines, it's like we're not going to confront you militarily. Uh, 
like they were talking about earlier, he, there's not, they're just a big gas station, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the question comes into play is this. I mean, first of all, number one, it, is that they don't – I mean, you can just tell that Putin has really disdained for Biden and no respect for Biden. It's it, you know, just right off the bat. And two, I'm not sure that going out there and saying, here's what we're going to do, is you know, right off the bat. It's more there's a price to be paid. But you also have to understand that price to be paid has to be, you know, it's issued by an individual that – Putin's going to have a little fear. He doesn't quite understand what he might might not do. You know, you saw that with Trump. I mean, this, if you notice, this never happened in Trump, uh, in the Trump era. You know, because remember the original invasion, which basically mercenaries associated with Russians essentially took over the Crimea and essentially took over a good half of uh, the Ukraine, uh, happened in the Obama-Biden administration. Right, and it's the same thing with China, is that there's this aspect of, you know, you can argue whatever you want to argue, but, you know, there was an element of unpredictability with Trump, namely, what would he do? And there was always this element of, you know what, I'm not going to find out. But Biden, you know, you got his past record, you got the you know the fiasco in Afghanistan where we still have Americans left behind. Uh, many of these security, you know, allies of ours are being executed uh, in Afghanistan. And you, and the question comes into play is very simple. You know, if you don't fear the United States and you're seeing, uh, you know, you watch Joe Biden, I mean, you know, Joe Biden on this video, which I think was interesting that the Russians released the video. Yeah. It wasn't us. They sure, was the they sure weren't very scared by it, were they? No, but I mean, the, the fact that they did that would indicate to you they weren't scared. This is Putin trolling Biden in the United States. Huh. Here's what your great leader sounded like, America. Yeah. <laughs> See how exactly. impressed I am. I mean, that's, exactly. I mean, that was a signal. And and I do think I mean, the, the question comes into play. There's, to me, the real issue comes into play is this. For Putin, the Ukraine is an integral part of Russia, mother Russia. It's not just my sphere of influence. And we need to understand exactly that and need to understand, okay, this is why he might be willing to go to war. Are we willing to go to war? And what are we willing to say to him? Hey, you know. You know, there's this fine line that we're going to allow you to do. Because if he gets away with this, you know, you got, well, Belarus. But worse, you got the Balkans. You know, what would he do with the Balkans? Would he consider that part of his sphere of influence? Would he put in that militarily? And one of those Balkan nations is a NATO ally. So you've got that aspect that comes into play. It's not just about the Ukraine, but at this point, but about, okay, what's the fallout going to be? down the road and not only that what's the lesson China's going to get out of this uh, yeah yeah but the problem is I mean there there are a number of assumptions you know one one assumption is that <clears throat> that Russia can get along without 
any other uh, support than uh, what they would get in Central Europe if they put the if they put the um, uh, the uh, pipeline down through through uh, Germany, which goes right through uh, right right through uh, the other uh, the other you know the the, the potential war ground. Uh, well, basically, they just the don't have pipeline. any real. They don't have any real income. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the only the income they have is is from is from this uh, is from energy. And yeah. uh, we give Tom well, a chance to respond to that after we take a quick break. This uh, you're listening to the Re- the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. And don't forget, this segment is also brought to you by... Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You're listening to you're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Go ahead, Tom. Okay. Well, I mean, you, you make it a good point. To me, here's what you know. What I'm scared of is we're going to bungle into a war. You know, bungle ourselves into a war where there's going to be a miscalculation, and we're going to find. And that's the thing that I fear is that are we going to bungle ourselves into it? And, you know, not having a game plan, not having just bungle it into it. I don't know. Because, I mean, this is an administration, you know, it's just quite, I mean, let's just be blunt here. You know, everything that Joe Biden has touched so far has turned to crap. (laughs) And nothing has done is worked out. Anyway, I mean, you're looking at, you know, a fiasco. We got the inflation. We got energy prices going up. We've got, uh, you know, crime increased crime, increased government spending that could threaten any future retirement. We got the, you know, COVID still with us and so on down the line. He's, you know, I mean, I've never seen a president with so many failures in the first 12 months. 
I mean, usually you do this over a period of four years, not you know the first uh, the first eleven months. And and I'm not you know again the question that comes into play is what are you going to do if this happens, and what signal is Putin taking? Uh, yeah, and I think Putin is basically saying you're not going to do a damn thing. Uh, you know, not do the same thing. And the question goes back because remember they've just made a deal. And the, here's the thing: Joe Biden allowed the pipeline to bypass that the you know the pipeline that with Germany that would bypass the Ukraine and take away whatever revenues they had from that, and basically did that's, an in route. And that's critical. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's critical. critical. And the question now, he's going to say, "Well, we'll, you know, this will stop. If they do a war, we'll stop this." And and I wonder if the Germans are going to be afraid of that. But the reality that comes into play is that, you know, I'm not sure Putin is going to be. If Putin knows you're not going to intervene militarily, I have nothing to fear. And what if oh, Joe right. Biden feels obligated? What if Joe Biden and NATO feels obligated to intervene without a real plan? That could be, you know, will he be pressured into intervening? Well, there's uh, another factor, after, too. After and that is, there's another factor, and that is that there's a lot of talk now since uh, since Monday to uh, that the, the Congress is starting to get very uh, restive, and they're getting, they're beginning to come up with a lot of different ideas as to how they might uh, get into this and and uh, take take uh, initiative uh, themselves, uh, so that uh, it uh, it doesn't now uh, it's it's not altogether uh, in in the hands of the president. Uh, for example, there are a couple of there are two resolutions going into the Senate right now, uh, saying that uh, that uh, they are going to reinstitute the uh, sanctions uh, on the uh, uh, pipeline, uh, and uh, uh, therefore that uh, that if uh, so, uh, the, the idea being that if they do this that they're not they're not depending on what uh, Putin is going to do. They're saying that we're it's you've already done enough here to make us uh, very concerned. And uh, if you do more, uh, you're you're, uh, you're you're you've had it. And and you that that could very easily lead to the to the uh, assumption that you're uh, you're suggesting, namely that. We sort of stumbled into a war based upon uh, confusion uh, in the leadership of our country. You know, because you've got some people, you've got the Congress doing one thing, and uh, and the uh, administration not knowing, knowing or really fighting against against their uh, usurpation of of various, uh, you know, the, what they consider their prerogatives and so on. I mean, it it could get really, really messy. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, this is the problem. It comes down to uh, you made, you're making that point. We could blunder into something unforeseen and just blunder right into it without a, you know. And, and I think it's, you know, it, 
I mean, like I say, you know, Joe Biden is being tested by both China and Russia. And you look at this administration, because here's the other, you know, the other twist to the occasion here. Uh, you have an administration where you got the vice president essentially at war with the president's staff, the vice president's staff at war. I mean, they've all but denude, they've all but neutered Kamlin Harris as a any potential presidency. So you got what you got for the next four years, Joe Biden. Uh, you've got the Build Back Better that looks like it's in jeopardy. I mean, that's the be that's the progressives, you know, wet dream of a piece of legislation. And you got, I mean, you got inflation happening, and you got an administration that just doesn't seem to know what it is they want to do, and and why they want to do it. I I, don't, I just have never seen a group of people uh, just so unaware of what was happening around them. And I see this. I mean, do you ever get this feeling that these people really don't seem to have a clue what's happening? Well, they certainly don't see it the, the way we do and the way a lot of other people do, that, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking that, uh, you know, we we just, we, 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 we could easily find ourselves in, in having to, to pick up, to take up arms just because of... Uh, yeah. Stupidity. I mean, because you know, because we just didn't. Our leaders did not have the authority or the the the, uh, the wherewithal to to actually uh, proceed uh, a, a reasonable in a reasonable way. And got and what's his name? Uh, Putin. Putin decided that uh, this is the time to, to take advantage of the confusion in the Catholic in the uh, American uh, world and by George he's gonna do it and uh, see what happens and then all of a sudden yeah. you know the Americans to get all upset and and really come back and forth and I mean that sounds an awful lot like the way the uh, the first world war started you know, yeah, it's just a crazy thing that really didn't nobody would have, nobody anticipated. Yeah, I, it, I, absolutely. I think it's very dangerous. Well, this whole thing has been dangerous because, like I say, it's is this aspect of what? I mean, you're right. This is a dangerous situation because we are being literally governed by a president who truly doesn't appear to have a control of his um, of what's happening around him. I mean, it's almost like they're going you know, they're going from crisis to crisis to crisis without necessarily having an answer or a thoughtful response of what needs to be done. And there's no strategy. And, uh, there's no strategy. There is no grand strategy or any strategy, and we're going to end up. You know, like I say, we're going to end up with this whole, you know, we could end up with a complete disaster on our hands. Yeah. And, you know, these guys, these guys, and the Chinese and and, uh, the Russians are, I mean, they're playing for keeps. 
and and they're not they're very they're, nothing could please them more than to see a weak United States, and uh, and I think I think that's that's what we've got. <laughs> Boy, it's it's uh, really a scary situation. I think it's a. I mean, the whole thing is like a totally scary situation to me. Is I mean, I look at this thing and it's like you got to be kidding me. Uh, and so, here's the thing. So what's going to happen if we do go to war? I mean, with the with the kind of weapons that people have now. It doesn't seem like it would even last very long. It would just be a... Well, I mean, it's a good question because here's the problem you run into is that they have overwhelming force right there. So, I mean, again, I I would say the Ukraines will fight to, you know, they'll fight a tough fight. But, uh, you you know, we don't have, what, 12, I mean, we got, what, 6,000 troops in Poland. So unless the Poles themselves are ready to go to war. Or the Czechs are ready to go to war, or the Germans are ready to go to war to cross that border to aid them. Uh, you know, they're going to take over the Ukraine in pretty quick war, in my view. Now, I could be wrong. If there's a, by the way, six six four six nine two nine zero one three zero six four six nine two nine zero one three zero. If you got any knowledge of uh, military expertise on this, it might be something to you know call in, but. But what happens afterwards? Do we go to war to recapture the Ukraine? I mean, in effect, and two, uh, what would the Chinese do? You know, would they decide if we're over in Europe, uh, let's go, let's try our check, let's try our luck with the China, with Taiwan? Uh, I mean, we may find ourselves in a war on two different fronts if we choose to fight uh, for, you know, fight a war in the Ukraine. And it's a good question. What would happen? Because the troops that are closest right now. With any significant arms, are the Poles, the Czechs, and the Germans, and to a lesser extent the French. You know, by the time the British and the United States gets there, you know, gets enough troops to transport across the ocean. Uh, you tell me. Uh, you tell me. You know. You, yeah, you but tell me. Be a ground war at all. I mean, it's it, it seems like. It's not very likely that they would that that yeah. uh, we would be talking about a uh, a ground war yeah. with ground troops. Uh, for example, uh, we we were, we heard here a couple of weeks ago that uh, China has a they've launched a satellite that is uh, uh, interrupting and is capable of interrupting uh, all of uh, America's. Uh, uh, Military uh, communications, and uh, well, I mean, well, the question <laughs> comes into play: Would we go beyond? Uh, you know, do we accept the fact that they take it over? Do we fight for it, and does it turn into a nuclear war? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that, we have time. You know, do yeah. we have time? To I mean, the answer. Yeah, I mean, as I stated, I, I just stated right there. I mean, the answer question is. You know, the number of troops we actually have in Europe are very small. You know, you're, you know, what you're basically looking at is NATO. You know, is NATO ready to go into the Ukraine to support them? Uh, I mean, I don't see the Germans lining up. I don't see the, the Polish army lining up. I don't see any NATO 
you know, getting close to the Ukraine. And so you have to mobilize those forces. And certainly how much would it take us to get a half a million troops over into Europe? And finally, if I'm China, would you know, would China take advantage of that? I mean, and like I said, we could blunder into a two-front war. Well, hold that thought. We're, you're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m. I shower. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m. I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And this particular segment is brought to you by Napa Know How. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. You're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Well, uh, I'm concerned that we might not even have a chance to field a uh, a ground force at all that... uh, with the essential uh, 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 destruction of the war and probably the determination of the war would actually be uh, in the realm of, uh, uh, of outer space with them coming down, you know, coming in and uh, uh, doing their their fighting basically on the basis of uh, uh, of the uh, of, of the uh, the way the, the the way that uh, that we're talking about uh, in space, and that that this whole yeah. thing would be over in 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 a matter of uh, a matter of hours. It's it yeah. it's just it's just uh, we I don't know, and I'm no expert, obviously, but I sure don't know anything about how how we're going to do this. It just seems to me that. That, that uh, we're, in, we're we're in a terribly vulnerable position. Uh, well, you're absolutely like correct. We I mean, get like out of it. Well, it's a good question to come in play. As I say, I mean, it's we don't have that. It's time to have a. I guess what it comes down to is time to look at the foreign policy and see what is in the national interest of this country, what is not in the national interest of this country, and understand you know from that perspective. And it's time to have that kind of a discussion, which we have not had. 
over the past several years. Even during the Trump years, we were beginning to begin that process with the quote-unquote American first foreign policy where you literally were having Trump saying, you know, to what extent should we be having troops in the Middle East? How do we, you know, dis, you know how do we disconnect ourselves from the, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so could disconnect ourselves, you know, how, you know, what is indeed our national interest? What is our biggest threats? And how we best prepare for those threats in the future? And you make the point space, <laughs> excuse me, space is a good example. Uh, you know, we have the quote-unquote space force, but we don't have, you know, I've yet to hear somebody come up with a strategic plan of what it is we want to do with the space force, what it is we want to do with space in general. And it's going to be there, the, there's no funding the for it. There's, there's no, yeah, in this and, new budget, there's no funding for it. Yeah, and the reality is this is the next war. This, I mean, the Chinese and the Russians are in a space, you know, they have already started a space race. And we're not even, you know, in our, and we're not really in it. I mean, the only, the only force in the United States is actually in the space race is, is Musk out of Texas, the, the gentleman with SpaceX. That's, that's our space program, essentially. You know, run by a businessman out of Texas. And there's a point somewhere where we need to have some serious strategic thinking about what it is we want to do and how to do it and how to move forward. And and I'll be honest, I mean, you go back to, you know, here, let me give you a, here's a story. I, I'm going to catch you up with a story here. And it gives me, this also makes me nervous. A few, uh, a couple of months ago, there, a story came out that they had a, contest or like a war game between the Royal Marines and our own Marines. And our Marines got their butts kicked by the Brits. They got their you know butts kicked. And I'm thinking to myself, are we even prepared to fight under the circumstances? Is our military leadership prepared? To lead and fight. You know, do you have faith in uh, General Miley? I don't. Do you have faith in the President's Secretary of Defense, Austin? I don't. I mean, we got people who are far more worried about how many white supremacists are in the United States military and critical race theory as opposed, I mean, like I say, are we training social warriors? Are we training warriors? Your thoughts? I think, I think the problem is, part of the problem is, the reason we don't have a foreign policy is that the far the far left is not interested in a foreign policy. They're interested in tearing down the the uh, the uh, country that we do have, and uh, they could care less about anything overseas. And of course, that's a very naive position in today's world, because uh, as we've been talking about that. Uh, that could easily become a, a very uh, critical issue, uh, very quickly. Yeah. And uh, well, here's the yeah. But okay, here's the story. If, if yeah. we're completely the... unprepared and 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 something happens like we've been suggesting here, uh, we could end up we could end up uh, being as, as you know essentially having to surrender uh, and to avoid uh, elimination. I mean, it's yeah. just, uh, it's hard to imagine exactly how a war would work 
with all the kind yeah. of modern uh, technology. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, it's a good point. But here's okay. Here's the story. The royal. This was a story that was in like the uh, at the end of October, beginning of November. So this is not even that long ago. Royal Marines have defeated the U.S. Marine Corps while testing a new formation during a five-day exercise in the California Mojave Desert. They joined forces with four other nations to test the newly formed you know, response group against a highly equipped adversary. The exercise at the Marine Corps Training Festival at three urban sprawls defended by Allied forces, the largest of which, okay, you get the point. We lost a war game to the Brits. Well, that, and, doesn't, uh, that doesn't surprise me very much. It doesn't, but, I mean, my point is these are the Marines. You know, we're talking these are our elite troops, the Marines. Yeah. And this is the problem. And I read this story, and my first thought was, okay, are we at that point that we should be scared? I mean, at that point is what faith do we have in the present leadership? Uh in the present leadership, I, I, I don't have any faith at all in this group, in these people. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't have either. Any faith in it. <laughs> yeah. So and, I don't think I don't think most Americans do, but these are the people yeah, that they elected. Yeah, that's right. It's the old saying goes, uh, "You know, democracy is when people get what they want and they get it hard." Yeah. Uh, to quote H. L. Minikin. But you get the point. You know, it's a question of, you know, are we ready and are we going to blunder into something we don't know? As I stated, if you notice, this didn't happen in the Trump era. No. This kind of challenge. Yeah, didn't happen in the Trump era. So that should tell people right then and there what our adversaries think of our present leader. You may not like the guy who had the you know the nasty tweets, and you may like, and maybe some of our allies didn't care for him either, but they at least respected the United States. Uh, you know, after the Afghanistan disaster, even our European allies are looking at us and saying, "God, you know, can we depend on the United States?" I mean, these are questions coming around. And it's, that's that's a, that's a lot of what is behind this challenge. It's, it's exactly yeah. that that experience that they're now thinking, gee whiz, this may be our chance because they've got a weak leadership, and uh, they they didn't they didn't follow through on the, their uh, uh, commitments to Afghanistan. They probably they, maybe they won't do it with. With uh, uh, the uh, with you know uh, uh, Taiwan or or any of the other uh, alliances that we have, it's yeah. just it's really scary. It's not just scary, but it's just it, it comes down to this. It, I mean, you're right. We're stuck with Joe Biden for the next uh, till 2025, January 2025. Uh, and, uh, and if something happens to him, you're stuck with Kamala and Harris in 2025. And I've yet to see, you know, and certainly uh, you look at these two people and 
I mean, look, somebody made the observation, you know, Kamala Harris is more unpopular than any other VP in my lifetime, even more unpopular than Dick Cheney. And Cheney, hit, and Cheney shot somebody in a hunting accident. <laughs> when you're less yeah. popular than the guy who shot somebody, <laughs> well, you got a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's... Uh... It's 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 right out there right now. It, it seems to me that if some if something somebody doesn't emerge to take us out of this dilemma uh, in pretty short order, that uh, we, we we got we've got some real real yeah real real problems. Well, like I say the problem is very simply put: we don't have anybody. I mean, there's nobody in, presently in this administration that you can count on and say, I will trust that person with good judgment because I haven't seen any good judgment yet. Just look at the energy policy. You know, uh, you know Wilf O'Reilly and I just had this conversation. We, you know, you know, we've been talking about you know, we literally have had some grand experiments over the past two years you know, you know, on a wide variety of issues. And one of those we're now finding out is what happens when you decide we're not going to produce energy, we're going to reduce fracking, we're going to beg OPEC, to, and, and now we're going to allow OPEC and Russia to basically control the energy market. What happens? Well, energy prices go up. I guess, and, I guess some of us knew, about, knew that was going to happen. If we ever do yeah, this. that's that's my point. Yeah, this is my point. Yeah, it's just like uh, you know we were talking about crime. I said, you know, if you go out, you know, defund your, if you defund the police or cut the budget of police, take them out of high crime area, don't have their back. What happens? You end up with higher crime. I mean, who would have thought that would have happened? <laughs> you A lot of people think. didn't believe it, and now now they're finding out how wrong they were. Yeah, and it's the same thing with this. And the question is, if they have, you know, in the case of energy, if this is the kind of misjudgment we've seen on a local level by many Democrats, on a national level in the case of energy by many Democrats, by this administration, you know, and the question comes into play will be, you know, know, what else are they going to screw up? that may end up costing Americans their lives and a further uh, uh, further fall on our prestige and our place in the world. Well, you know, hold that thought. We're um, up against another break. Uh, it's uh, You're listening to the Resistance Hour and the Bachelor News Radio Network. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You might know me on 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in the six degrees separate us. We're that close. 
What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger is too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Well, Tom, what do you think? Well, I'm going to say I just hope, you know, you stated every at every show, you know, God bless America, you know, because we, you know, we need it. And I think we're at that point of God bless America, please. Because, uh, you know, I, I hate, you know, I say this on Twitter, my Twitter site, it comes down to we literally are ruled by idiots. Uh, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid so. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. And if, and if they're not idiots, then they're maliciously doing the very things that we're uh, now about yeah. to suffer for. Yeah. Well, you know the interesting thing because you said the, 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 I'm going to throw this you know, you know this point to you because you, you know we've discussed this in the past, but here's the thing that I find interesting. Uh, is uh, is this you you look at the energy policy as an example, and you know again you know we kind of joke. You know, you would think that somebody would have figured this out if you do, you know, these steps that this administration had done, the prices would go up. And, but there were, you know, years ago, in the first, you know, in the Biden, the first Obama administration, um, I think it was Stephen Shue, who was at that time the Department of Energy head. And he basically said it's going to be a good thing to see a price go up to force Americans to change their habits, depending on the automobile, and move away. And Jane Sackey, you know, gave this away, I mean, a few, about a month ago, you know, somebody, you know, they questioned her, and her answer was, well, now that energy prices are going up, maybe we'll start rethinking about, you know, getting into renewable energy. And i got to be asking myself, you know, is there an aspect of this that's like, you know, purposely being done to the point where we're in, that we, you know, purposely being done. We're raising these prices to institute a policy. But if that's indeed the case, if there's also a a second side to this, namely, if it takes us raising the price of fossil fuels and the commonly used energy to get us to get us to move to renewable wind and solar. What does that tell you about what the price of wind and solar is going to be down the road? Namely, they're forcing us to pay higher energy cost, period. And is this a purposely I'm beginning to think this may be a purposely done policy. Your thoughts? Well, the other thing is, 
if you raise if you uh, raise the price if you cut off our supply and raise therefore raise the price of fossil fuel in the United States at the same time you can't go now to uh, Germany and say don't put in your new uh, uh, pipeline from Russia uh, because uh, if you do uh, you know we're going to do we're going to get mad at you and do things uh, that, that we don't want to do but if I'm in Germany I say well okay what's what's the option are you going to are you going to give us the, the uh, energy we need and you say, well, we can't do that anymore because we decided that we weren't going to have that energy available. So now yeah. we're in a, we don't have any position that we can uh, reasonably take with with uh, uh, with the uh, Germans, and uh, and this whole thing just it, it, it craters because it it's more than just. Uh, what is going to happen at the at the at the uh, service pump, uh, the gas station pump here in, in America? It's also part of our entire uh, fabric that's holding together the world from world war. And these idiots yeah. don't understand that. They don't care because well, that, they never even thought of it. Well, not only that, but you, okay, here's the other thing. Just show you the kind of respect that. Now remember, remember, we were told Joe Biden was going to be the adult in the room, bring back sound foreign policy from the reckless Trump. But we already know what Putin thinks of Trump, Biden. We pretty much know the Chinese don't respect Biden. And this is the same Biden that basically, after he's cutting our energy supply, is going to OPEC and say, we need to have you start producing a bunch of oil so we can reduce the price to which OPEC said, here's the middle finger. Why would we want to do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's what it, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. On top of that, you exactly. now have also you have uh, because of the uh, the situation in the Middle East uh, when uh, they got out of the uh, the uh, John Kerry uh, agreement uh, with uh, Iran. Now Iran is selling uh, five, uh, I think it's 500 million gallons of uh, of, of uh, oil every day to China, and uh, their uh, economy was just about ready to uh, fall off a cliff under Trump. Now it's thriving, and uh, the the, uh, the predictions are that they will have a viable. Uh, Source of a, a of a nuclear weapon in 90 days from now. 90 days from now, and at the same time, you've got the administration telling Israel that if they attack Iran, they're not going to stand behind Israel. And of course, Israel is uh, watching the uh, potent the construction of the weapon that uh, will, will unquestionably destroy Israel in Iran, and the only way to, to uh, defend themselves is to go ahead and attack and, and wipe it out like they did once before. So now, instead of peace in the Middle East, which we had under Trump under with extraordinary uh, 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 foresight and, and imagination, 
uh, we've got uh, uh, the Middle East ready to erupt into a nuclear war, and yeah. that that also is a part of this uh, uh, this crazy uh, lack of foreign policy, lack of foreign strategy, and in, in our in our military, instead of worrying about how to how to fight a two uh, front war. Uh, they're going to classes and learning about uh, uh, contrary, uh, uh, you know, the culture, culture, contrary culture. Uh, it's just, it's everything is just, uh, it's it's so absurd. It reminds you of the uh, fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, you know, it, it happened. Yeah. It's it it took almost a hundred years, but in this case, it could take a hundred minutes. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you look at this and you're saying to yourself, uh, I, I, this is like this shake your head type of deal. That's where we're at. We're at this shake your head uh, type of deal. And, uh, well, and, go ahead. time for a little... Time for some. Uh, before we quit, we might as well have something good to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Here's, I, I got. I do have this story. I got this story because this really intrigued me. Yeah. The 36-year-old Prime Minister of Finland is under fire when photos showed her out clubbing at 4 a.m. and and of course you know she had a bit. Supposedly, she was close to somebody with COVID, and she should have gotten it. They said she should have gotten this test, which she did. It proved negative. She said maybe, but I thought to myself, listen to this. She goes out clubbing at 4 in the morning, leaves her work phone at home. It's unreachable for the text that says she's got to get quarantined. And I just got to say, number one, if you see a picture of this woman, and I'm going to be, She's a very attractive woman. And number two, it's nice to, you know, it's like, all right. Yeah, I, I just, you can you, you know, I just don't imagine, you know, prime ministers or countries out there partying and clubbing, as they say in the business. And, and, and I, <laughs> Not and, unusual, like Well, you know, I mean, let me, no, it, it, let me put it this way. Uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, when was the last time you heard, you know, people out there clubbing? I mean, a president out clubbing. I mean, not even Trump, you know, was out there clubbing with Melinda. Marina. Uh, I mean, and certainly Joe Biden's not out there clubbing, and uh, neither is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, pardon me. So I'm reading this story, and my first thought is, wow, she's having fun. And... She was interviewed, and basically uh, she says, Finland is the happiest nation, and I want to keep it that way. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, she's a hero. Yeah, well, that's what I love. Go out and have fun and club out, baby. Uh, help, you know, <laughs> live, your, live your life. Don't let this coronavirus keep you inside. Live your life. So that's my well, good story. You know, that, I, I thought that was a good story. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of everybody else who is saying, how dare you talk about irresponsibility of unmasked prime ministers out there partying at 4 in the morning. I say more power to you, baby. 
more power to you. <laughs> John Kennedy all over again, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, like I say, I don't know. You should get the story because she's a very – she's 36 years old, and she's a very attractive woman. Uh, so – and she is married, so I'll say that. So she and her husband were out clubbing. And so I'm, I'm just saying a hero for our times in the coronavirus era. Uh, at a time when most of us are so scared to death, she's out there partying. Yeah. What can I say? She's not too worried about a nuclear war. <laughs> She's not worried about a nuclear war. Or, and obviously, uh, she wasn't worried about getting the coronavirus either. Well... She's got a lot of, uh, she, she has a lot of faith in the future. <laughs> she has a lot of faith in the future, absolutely. Which brings me what? to the other aspect is that Chris Kubo got fired from his position at CNN. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I got a couple of stories on this because it's going to be even enjoyable because he's getting ready to sue CNN. And he's basically saying, hey, Zucker knew what was going on between my brother and I. And now the other thing is, I guess he got himself caught in a Me Too incident. But here's my, here's my thought. Jeff Zucker ran NBC when they had all of the issues with Matt Lauer and others on that staff, you know, with their Me Too issues, with their, you know, sexual, you know, harassment issues. He gets himself a job as, you know, at CNN. And not only is he dealing with, let's say, reporters who are essentially working as PR people for politicians that they're covering, but they too may also be involved in some sexual, you know, harassment issues as well. You know, how many times does this guy get to keep his job for screwing up two, uh, screwing up two networks? I don't understand. Uh, of course, I don't know much about him, but he must be quite a whiz if if they're they keep on uh, keep him employed under such sort of dubious circumstances. Yeah. Do you know well, Do you know I, anything I, about I, his background? Why, why is he Why is he so valuable? I, that's a good question. I don't know why he is. That's my point. I mean, he's basically, as I say, he was presiding over NBC when they were going through all of these issues, and then, you know, and then he basically turned CNN into a Appendage of the Democratic left, you know, as they say, as we say, you know, may turn them into all Democratic operatives or bylines. You know, he went in that direction. Uh, we're gonna, we're going hard left. We're going, you know, you know, and it's the word. I mean, let's be blunt here. CNN is always losing the rating wars to Fox, and even to MSNBC, who does the left wing stuff a lot better than these guys do. But it's a good question. You know, I guess the question is a good question. How does he keep his job? You know, what makes him so special? Because, you know, you look at the ratings. He's always been, like, number three between, you know, behind MSNBC and Fox. And Fox usually routinely, almost by a two-to-one margin, you know, kicks their butts with their, you know, their you know primetime shows. So you've got a good question. You know, you're asking the right question. How do you keep your job? But I'm, but I'm more excited about the fact that, you know, Chris Kumo is going to sue, 
and it's going to be interesting to see what else dirt comes out of this. And again, we were talking about this on the previous show. You know, we're now finding out that uh, Don Lemon. Uh, Don Lemon, uh, 